Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations. This is the one podcast that's created exclusively for people who are pursuing donor conception or have donor conceived children. I'm your host, Lisa Schumann. As a researcher, therapist, and an expert in donor conception, I'm passionate about helping people on their donor conception journey. After decades of work in the field, working on site at some of the best fertility clinics, and through my group, the Center for Family Building, I have run workshops for donor-conceived children and have met with thousands of donors and recipients. I can share the tools and the truths I have learned to help you get the information that you need to have a better path to parenthood or help you tackle tough parenting issues. If it's about donor conception, we are going to talk about it. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations. This is the one podcast created exclusively for people on their journey to have a child through donor conception or for people who have donor conceived children. I'm your host, Lisa Schumann. As a researcher, a therapist, and an expert on donor conception, I'm passionate about helping people on their donor conception journey. After decades of work on some of the best fertility clinics, and also working through my program, the Center for Family Building, I've run workshops for donor-conceived children and met with thousands of donor-conceived individuals, donors, and recipients. In this podcast, my guests and I will share the tools and the truths that you need to have a better path to parenthood and to raise donor-conceived children. If it's about donor conception, we're going to talk about it. And today, I'm very lucky to have Kara Shu to join us to talk about her new book and also a little bit about her life and her experience in finding her donor, finding donor-related siblings, what it was like for her, and how different families come together in different ways. And this is one of my very favorite topics because I'm a really, really big fan and advocate for building the family that's right for you. And um, so I love having Kara on here today because she's really going to tell us all about that and her experience finding that families can be so different in different ways. So welcome, Kara. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about your book and what was the impetus to write this book? Yes. So my book is called Chosen Family, and it was just released in November 2022. And I had been writing for about three years, all about being raised by a single mom by choice, finding donor siblings, meeting my donor, and really how all of that has shaped my definition of family and how families can look all different ways. You can have three parents, two parents, one parent, multiple parents, and there can you can have a donor. And really just how all families deserve to be celebrated. And there are multiple ways to parenthood, paths to parenthood. So I'm really excited to share with the world my book and also very excited to share with you today. Wonderful. It's wonderful. So tell us a little bit about it and your story. Um, You were raised by a single mom by choice, right? Yes. So my mom went through her 20s and her 30s just being a career woman. Children were not at the forefront of her mind. Neither was finding a life partner. And as she entered her late 30s, she decided that actually children were a part of her plan and she did want to have children. So she decided to be a single mom by choice and to have children through a donor. So she had my brother, Logan, 
when she was 41. And then she had me when she was 43. Wow. Yes. So very much in her early 40s. We grew up just me, my mom, and my brother, um, and the village that surrounded us. So we grew up with a single mom by choice. And what do you mean by village? Can you explain that? Yes. So I also look at chosen family, the term chosen family, similar to the phrase, it takes a village. So for me, that is my aunt, who is biologically my aunt. It also includes my mom's two best friends who are also my aunt, but you know, I don't share any relation to them. It includes my friend's parents. It includes my grandparents and really those adults and family friends and friends that were just there from the beginning and joined us along the way of, of me being raised into adulthood. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think it's so, it really helps to, um, you know, emphasize that because so many people do have chosen families, right? They either, they don't have families that they get along with, or they don't have uh, family members alive, or they just decide that this is really kind of how they want to construct what it looks like for them. So I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. How did you learn about being donor conceived? So my mom told us right from the beginning, um, she used to say that she practiced when we were in her womb because mm. she wanted to be comfortable when we, you know, came out into the Fantastic. world. So she, yes. So she practiced in her room and she used to start off at least when we were really little saying, you know, mommy wanted a baby. Mommy really wanted you. And so mommy went to the doctor and the doctor helped me have you through a donor. And as I grew up, you know, she explained, you know, what an egg and sperm and how, those parts work together. It's funny because I think I was probably more advanced in my knowledge of biology than my peers uh -huh, uh -huh. by that point, but I loved it. I feel like I've never known a time where I didn't understand where I came from. That's wonderful. And as you, as you probably see now, the research really bears that out, how important it is to start early on, even before the child knows, starting to rehearse it and getting comfortable with the story and having your child just feel like this is kind of the backdrop of their lives, right? This is just something that they always know. Yeah. And it's also so wonderful how many resources, how many books and just, you know, different representation that there is now of all types of families versus back in the 90s, there weren't a lot of those resources. So I think it's really great that parents have this now. And so insightful for your mom to be that forward thinking. Yes. It, I definitely take a lot of my confidence and pride in our family from her. So how did you decide, okay, I am ready to find my donor or donor-related siblings. Tell us a little bit about that. As I grew up, I feel like I got a lot of questions. Oh, you know, where's your dad? Or for those that knew that I had a donor, do you ever want to meet your donor? And I always used to say, you know, I'm not looking for a father figure. I'm not looking for someone to join in our family because this is our family. And, you know, I love our family, but I would like a picture. I was always just curious about what he looked like. Mm -hmm. So as I grew up and donor or DNA testing started to explode, I decided that I, I had my opportunity to find siblings because I was very interested in, in meeting siblings and I always wanted a big family. So I was very excited about the possibility of meeting siblings. And with my donor, I was honestly just curious about what he looked like and who he was. I knew that there was a chance that he would not want a relationship just based on his anonymous donation. And to be honest, I wasn't really expecting a relationship. I was just more on the curious side. Mm -hmm. And so then what happened? So at first I found one sibling and then I found another sibling. 
And then I found a boatload of siblings um, who then connected me with my donor. So I have 23 siblings, one of which is my brother, Logan, who I grew up with. We do share a donor. Um, And the other 22 are donor-related siblings. And they were able to connect me with my donor through Facebook. They had connected with him through to the donor sibling registry. And I have since met about eight of them. And I have met my donor as well. Wow. And how is that? It is honestly such an amazing, wonderful experience. And I honestly couldn't have thought or dreamt up how how wonderful my experience has been, which definitely led into me writing a book. There have definitely been some twists and turns Some of my siblings did not know that they were donor conceived, and that was definitely a lot for them to process. Some of which then decided to come into our sibling group and and wanted to have a relationship. Others who decided that they did not want a relationship, and I think that that is okay. So we have all been very respectful of boundaries um, and have also celebrated just any of our siblings who do want to participate in, in the smaller group of us that do have our annual meetups and a group chat and we text each other and, and are up to date on each other's lives. So there definitely was no other greater feeling than meeting a sibling for the first time and knowing, wow, you know, we share DNA and we are related. But I also say that DNA brought us together, but we have also chose chosen to be a part of each other's lives, which creates that chosen family aspect. Mm. How would you describe your relationship with them? Do you feel like they're friends? Do you feel like they're siblings? Like what is your experience? So when it comes to my siblings, I actually do feel like they are my siblings. So when someone asks me, Kiara, how many siblings do you have? I don't typically answer with one anymore. It was a lot easier when I had, you know, three or four donor related siblings Cause then I used to just say, Oh, I have four siblings or I have five siblings. Now it's a little bit harder to answer with, Oh, I have 23 siblings because somebody obviously wants to know how I have that many siblings, but I do feel like we're siblings. So I call, you know, my sisters, my sisters, I call my brothers, my brothers, and then I call my donor, my donor to me, that's kind of the differentiating factor. I don't see him as a father, but I do see him as a friend. We have a lovely relationship. We text occasionally where we have met in person and, you know, we wish each other happy birthday, happy holidays, and we're definitely in each other's lives, but he is more as a friend and not as, you know, a father. So you decided that you wanted to call your donor siblings, siblings, not instead of friends, but your donor that your donor rather than your father. Is it because you feel like closer to your siblings or why do you think that is? That's definitely a great question. I do feel like my siblings are my siblings, even though that we didn't, you know, necessarily grow up together. I also know that some of them call me their donor sister or their half sister. So I think we all have different language that we use. And I don't think that that takes away from any part of our relationship. With my donor, I feel like if I were to call him my father, to me, that just doesn't feel right. And I know a lot of people do call their donor their biological father, and I think that's totally okay. But I do have a mother who raised me. I have a mother who decided to have me through a donor. And just, I take very, I identify with having a single mother. I identify with growing up with a mother and a brother. And then I also identify with having, you know, siblings that have come into my life. 
And I identify with having a donor who contributed to my existence. And I'm very, very happy about that. And I appreciate him and I do love him, but it, to me, it's more as a friend. It's a person who contributed to my existence versus I also have male role models. I also have a lot of female role models, but um, a male role model in particular, one of my friend's dads who has really been there for me growing up and, and attended a lot of the quote unquote, daddy daughter things with me. And so I call Hmm. him, he's actually my triple F, which is my favorite faux father. So Uh I, and so I, I identify with having relationships that are not biologically related, but are very much a part of my life. Like my aunties who are not my aunts technically by biology and my favorite faux father who I have no biological relation. So for me, it's more of the intentionality that you put into a relationship rather than the biology. Well, that's fascinating. So you, you, you're, I mean, you're obviously very, very thoughtful about this and very respectful of people who feel differently. And that's really wonderful because it leaves room, I think for every, you know, point of view. And, you know, as you probably know, there are some people who have very strong ideas that it should be one way or the other. And I think it's great that you, really see the variety of people's experiences. And for you, parenting a child is really the kind of the hallmark for you about being a parent. And that's, you know, really the most important thing for you. That's really interesting. Tell me a little bit about, you know, where you are in your life right now and how your brother maybe has different feelings than you have about um, your donor and donor-conceived siblings. As we were saying earlier, I do really think that it's beautiful to be able to choose who you define as your family. So for me, I do consider my siblings my family. And, you know, I consider my donor like a friend, but also, you know, part of my greater chosen family. My brother, he defines family a little bit differently. He defines it as who he grew up with. So he defines it as me, my mom, and him. And he has chosen not to partake in our sibling meetups, and he didn't end up meeting my donor or donor with me as well. So he isn't necessarily against it. He just doesn't have this level of curiosity and this level of drive to have more people in his life. And I think it also comes down to a personality difference. I am someone who, I have the more the merrier mentality. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about these relationships. And Logan is a little bit less excited. He has his, his few people, part of his tribe that he loves, that he considers family. And he's okay with that. So he doesn't choose to participate just like I would, but he also does know a little bit about them. He's in our group chat. Um, He doesn't really talk much in it, but he is aware that these siblings exist and he follows them on Instagram. So he knows what they look like. And he also is going to meet them soon. So I'm getting married in September. Congratulations. Very exciting. Thank you. Thank you. I am very excited. It's going to be wonderful. And I've invited my siblings. So the siblings that I have met, there are about eight of them. Those of them who are married are going to bring their spouses. And there's a few other single mom by choices um, that we've met and have come to become really close with. So they'll be there as well. So I've asked my brother, you know, how do you feel about this? Because I know you haven't met them and you haven't really chosen to participate, but this is kind of getting forced upon you. And he said, oh, it's fine. You know, I'd I'd like to meet them. I'm not going to obviously like turn my back against them, but I'm not someone who will fly across the country to meet them like you would. 
So he will end up meeting them and, you know, he's probably just indifferent. He's fine if they're there, but if they weren't there, you know, he'd be fine not meeting them as well. And we have other siblings like that. Again, there are 23 of us and there are about eight, eight to 10 of us who annually meet up. And then we have a few more in our group chat who are aware of us and kind of participate, but don't elect to meet. So again, it's all just about respecting, I think, where everyone's coming from, respecting boundaries and just being excited for those who do want to participate. Yeah, I think that's really, really so key to to think about when we think about families, because people are very often looking for the prescription to how do I look at my donor conceived siblings? Many of our audience um, members are probably thinking as I pursue this journey, how are my children going to feel? Right. And so we know some children are really curious and others aren't. And it's very, very hard, I think, to, to live in this world that's evolving right now because there are many people who feel like, well, you must do this or you must do that. Or if you're not interested in your siblings, then, you know, you're in denial or whatever. And I think we really need to leave the door open to all different kinds of temperaments, right? Everybody's temperamental style is different. As you said, you're much more curious and also different relationships, right? Some people might not have such a great relationship with their mother. And maybe in that case, they would be interested in having, you know, a, their donor be more of a father figure. Maybe they wouldn't, right? So we don't really know. And everyone really, I think, has to find their own path. And I think that's really what you're emphasizing, Kira. My siblings and I all feel differently too. I have some siblings who have met our donor and I have other siblings who are like, you know, I really don't want to meet him. I'm very content with where I'm at with my version of my family. So I agree. It's all about deciding one as a donor conceived person, what's right for you. And then also as a parent, it's about leaning in to your child and your child's needs and their wants. My mom has supported my journey. She has come on our sibling meetups with me. She actually met my donor with me Nice. versus my brother, she just doesn't talk to him about it as much because he has, you know, voice that those are not his wishes. So as a parent, even if you have children that have opposing viewpoints, I think you can lean into their needs or their wants a little bit more. If they're asking more questions about siblings, then maybe ask them, okay, would you like to meet them? Or would you like to do a little more research? Would you like help finding them? Same thing with the donor. If your child is asking more questions and in voices, you know, I would like to know what he looks like, or I would like to know more information. There are avenues to find siblings these days. You know, we found our donor through the donor sibling registry because he put his information out there. So I think you can kind of be in tune to what your children children are saying and answer their questions and try to support them on their individual path. That's wonderful. It's really wonderful. And it's so nice that your mother is so supportive of you and whatever exploration is important to you, she's, you know, fully respectful of it. And how was your fiance when you were sharing the story? It's so funny because I've I've shared that him reading the book, I actually think gives him just a better understanding of me as a person and my views on family. And, you know, he grew up with a mom and a dad and he has two brothers. And so his version of family was probably a little bit more traditional than mine. So when I'm talking about, you know, our family, when, when we decide to have children, I've actually voiced, you know, I don't need to have, like, if we end up not having biological children, like I would be okay with that. And you know, if we decided to adopt, um, 
and or if we couldn't conceive biological children using a donor, but we also are would like to have biological children as well. So it's just interesting how, when I shared that fact with him, he had never met a donor conceived person before. So it was very new to him. It's also new when I have all of these siblings and I'm like, oh, my sister Paley, her fiance, Nick, that's going to be our brother-in-law. That is your brother-in-law as well. Technically, my sister Paley is going to be your sister-in-law. So it's just, it's been a little bit of a mind shift for him to kind of understand where I'm coming from. But I think it's been fun for him as well to have these wonderful people in his life. You know, he's met them as well. So it's, it's been great. That's great. So just to kind of go back for a second about something that you said, uh, or just start to touch on earlier, when people ask you, because this is also something else that people need to think about, you know, when you start to think about using donor conception, and then you think about the next step, how do I tell my children? And then also the next step after that, how do I tell and who do I tell in the outside world? So what happens when someone says to you, how many siblings do you have? What do you say? I think it does technically depend on how much time I have and who's asking. I am pretty open. So I typically say, oh, I have one brother that I grew up with. And then I have... 22 other siblings or 23 other siblings that I'm related to through a donor because I'm donor conceived. And typically that does evolve into a larger conversation. And and the person asking is very curious, but I am very open with my story. One, because I also think that it allows other people to be open with theirs. For instance, when we were trying to find a wedding photographer and the wedding photographer was asking, oh, you know, who's going to be at your wedding? How many siblings do you have? I chose to say, you know, I have one brother who will be standing up in the bridal party. I also have uh, about eight other siblings that are going to be there as well. And we're related through our donor. And she actually responded with, wow, thank you for sharing. I'm actually an egg donor. Wow. And so we got on this whole conversation about donor conception because a lot of people choose not to share or they don't necessarily feel like that that's the time and the place. But I've always realized, you know, if you're more vulnerable and open with your story, that allows other people to be more open with theirs. And I learned that from my mom. My mom from an early age, as I said, that she shared with us, but she didn't just share with us. She shared openly when anyone asked, you know, where is the kid's father or did they get that look that hair color from their father. She would say, oh, my children are donor conceived. I'm a single mom by choice. I had my children through a donor. And it allowed, again, everyone to be able to ask questions or just become more familiar with different types of families. So I really feel that sharing openly also gives your kids added confidence in their story. Because if they see that their family is being modeled by you and they see that you're proud of their family and you have confidence in your family. I think it then transfers onto them and they're happy and confident and they think it's normal to just share about their family openly. Okay. So Kiara, I'm going to ask you a little bit more of a difficult question then, because, you know, as we're sharing, you know, these story, talking about these stories and we see, you know, all different types of temperament, there is also the possibility that you could be someone, let's say, who's a little shy or a little reserved or a little insecure. And then, you know, your parent tells the whole kindergarten class or first grade class and kids of course want to be similar to their friends. And sometimes the kids might feel that it it's uncomfortable for them, right? Because there does come a time yeah. when the parent 
is no longer just saying, okay, I'm disclosing to my child, I'm disclosing to my child. They also have to decide, right, Mm -hmm. when, how does my child feel about this? Because now my child's old enough to have an opinion and you are a very confident person, right? And you feel strong about, you know, where you come from and feel really good about your family. But there are certain ages where it could, could be potentially different for children who are donor conceived and feel like it makes them a little different than their friends. Absolutely. I mean, growing up is obviously tough enough when your family looks like everyone Mm -hmm. else or you look like everyone else, but when you don't, and you can obviously be ostracized for that. I mean, I have a lot of parents ask me, were you bullied? I was not bullied, but I also understand that that is a fear I agree with what you said, Lisa. I think it's great to talk to your kids and maybe ask them their preference. You know, when they're even in kindergarten, I think five-year-olds have opinions, you know, they sometimes strong. Right. So just asking them. Yes. Yes. And it's the same thing about like siblings, right? You can, you can ask your kids their preference and terminology or, you know, finding biological family members or who they tell and who they don't. I think one thing that my mom did, even if she didn't, outwardly tell everyone, I would say it was helpful that she told my teachers just because I think if any kid asked me questions about my family makeup, or if I said something, they knew how to at least help guide the situation or to help Mm -hmm. step in if need be. So maybe if your child is a little bit more reserved or doesn't want the whole class to know, you can ask them if it would be okay to share with their teacher, but not the class. Or if they don't want anyone to know, I think then you can respect that as well. But I agree. Having that open, honest conversation Mm -hmm. with your children, no matter their age, I think is wonderful because then you can, again, be in tune with what their preference is for privacy. Right. Right. You're really empowering your children. Yeah. To make decisions. And I think they can at an early age when, you know, exactly Mm -hmm. as you said, they have strong opinions. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. As time goes by, you said people ask you, you know, were you bullied? Have you had any negative experiences about um, having a, a, a donor or being in touch with your siblings? Have there been any kind of negative experiences that you would kind of warn people about or have thoughts about? Absolutely. I also think... You know, I've also gotten the feedback about my book that it is overly positive. And what about those individuals that don't have that same experience as I? And I do share with my siblings' permission some of their experiences, which were not as positive as mine. I hope, obviously, parents can look at my story as, you know, an example or maybe a guide or a little bit helpful tips of how to raise your donor-conceived kiddos. And then those who don't have a positive experience, I hope they can, even if they don't have the same experiences as me. I think they still may see themselves in some of my sibling stories as well. So when I had met um, my first sibling, I was so excited. I was like, hi, I'm your sister. It's so great to meet you. Oh my goodness. I never thought I'd meet a sibling before. And I was probably just piling it on and on and on and on because I was just so excited. And I couldn't imagine a world, honestly, where my sibling wouldn't know that they were donor conceived. Um, but that's exactly what happened. Not with my first sibling, but with the second sibling, I found Taylor. And I share about her in my book very openly with her permission. And she didn't know she was donor conceived. So when she came on 23andMe, just curious about her genealogy or her heritage, she definitely got a lot more than she bargained for. And I couldn't even imagine how hard and how heartbreaking and earth shattering that that information was for her. And for me, 
I also, my earth was shattered a little bit only because I was so excited to meet her, but I was so devastated that she had to find out that that way. And so walking alongside her and her journey, this also happened for a few of my other siblings, some who I am connected with and some who found out and then decided that they don't want to be a part of our group. And I can imagine that because this is Mm -hmm. crazy to them and earth shattering. And I'm sure, you know, it, Mm -hmm. it shakes your identity a little bit to the core because what you thought as fundamentally true, you find out is not true. That is so hard. The one piece of solace that I take from it is I think, as you said, research shows that it is positive and and a good thing to tell your children early. And that's a better way to, to approach it. So I'm hoping now parents are sharing where their children came from with them a lot earlier than maybe some of my siblings experienced. So I'm hoping some of these and not all of these negative experiences will happen. Obviously things still happen and things can still go wrong or you don't know how your children are going to feel about how they were raised or about where they came from, but at least hopefully knowing where they came from earlier on will help them as, as they continue to age. One thing that I do not share with my mom is I'm very athletic and I'm not trying to say she isn't, but she never played sports, isn't interested in sports whatsoever. I like lived on sports growing up. And so I definitely got that, oh, she must have gotten her athleticism from her biological father or from her father. Or they'd ask my mom, oh, did she get that from you? Obviously, it is people's natural curiosity to understand where so-and-so got that trait from. I think what's more important, though, is my feelings or, you know, a a child's feelings about if they want to know where they got a certain thing from. I think that is valid. But if someone else wants to know, honestly, I always think like it is none of their business. Mm -hmm. And I still will, will answer because, again, I'm very open. But I think about someone who is not as open or those questions are very harmful. And so I one another thing that I love about society now I'm hoping that more people understand the different types of families out there and they're maybe assuming less and asking those questions less. And they're kind of checking themselves a little bit of, is this an appropriate question to ask? Mm -hmm. One thing too is I love, I have some teacher friends and things that they do in their classroom is say, oh, go home and ask your parents X, Y, and Z, or hey, whoever is at home with you, have them help you with your homework tonight or hey, go ask your guardian or guardians to sign this permission slip. So I think using more inclusive language is another thing that I think is getting used more now than it did when I was growing up, which I think is so powerful because again, you're being intentional about being inclusive instead of being exclusive and excluding a parent from the equation, if it's Mm -hmm. the same sex couple, or in my case, excluding obviously the importance of my mom in in our family, when you're asking, oh, did she get that from her father? Mm -hmm. So I love also just asking people their preferences. Hey, even my siblings, I ask them, what do you call our donor? Do you refer to them as our donor? Or do you refer to them as our biological father? Because even in our family unit, things may be different. And respecting those boundaries is important and asking what language people use is important. So I definitely think that those questions arise and that they can be really hurtful for some families or some people, and even for me, depending on what the question is. 
And I know we all shouldn't have the responsibility of educating people on what questions they're asking or, you know, what is helpful and what is harmful. But I do love and really appreciate when people ask, you know, what language do you use or how do you identify your family or who is in your family instead of just assuming, you know, there's a mom and a dad and you're automatically biologically related to your family. So how have you handled those tough conversations when people say hurtful things to you? How do you handle those experiences? I will say I probably think about them more often than they actually come up. I The most common one is yes. Like what characteristics did you get from your mother and what characteristics did you get from your donor? Which when it's phrased like that, I actually don't mind answering because they are respecting that I have a mom who raised me and that I do have a donor who contributed to my existence. Also, who contributed to my siblings' existence, and we share characteristics as well. So when it's something like that, I, I or if it's asked mm-hmm. differently, if it's asked, oh, do you look like your father? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I have a donor. Um, and yes, I do. I can see a few characteristics where I do look like him. And so I try to correct if I don't love how the question was asked. And then I will respond in answering that question if, in a way that I think is respectful to me and to my family. I also think that is okay for people to shut down those questions. If they are not appropriate or you don't feel like answering, I think it's totally okay to also be like to either walk away or to change the topic because we as human beings shouldn't always have to answer and tell our story. You know, I am someone again, who is putting myself out there. I am sharing my story. So I always try to answer, but that does not mean that every single person wants to answer questions about their existence and where they came from. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I, I uh, run a workshop called tip top for children, where we talk about kind of identifying your personality in order to then understand your donor conception information. And then in order to understand how you're going to respond to other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really feel that that's so important. Um, so I think that's great. And I, and it does give people, you know, the out to be able to say it's not necessary. You don't have to educate. It doesn't make you a bad person because, you know, you know, you're not educating the world. You don't have to get on a soapbox, a donor conception soapbox. It's not right for everyone. Absolutely. And also, Right. Honestly, some people also get tired of it. Right. You know, people are curious about these things and you might, you know, in a year's time with your child have the same question 10,000 times from the soccer coach and from, you know, your music teacher and from your teacher and your pediatrician and, your, you know, the Girl Scout troops leader and your friends and your neighbors. And it can get really exhausting also, mm-hmm. even if it's not offensive. Right. To be able Absolutely. to. Absolutely have to deal with that over and over and over again. It's quite hard. So I think that your strategy is great that you are, you know, the more you prepare for these situations, the better you can respond because it feels so crummy if you just kind of get blindsided and then you just respond however you respond. And sometimes it doesn't feel right. Sometimes you don't feel like it it really painted the picture that you wanted. And so I think that that's great that you really think through these answers. Thank you. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you've been very, very thoughtful about this all, Kira. And I, I, I really, really appreciate your perspective. And I'm so glad you're out there. And I'm so glad that you're sharing your book with the world because I think, um, you know, this perspective really needs to be louder. 
So thank you so much for coming here and sharing your story. And hopefully um, one day soon you'll come back and tell us a little bit more about how all of these things evolve and how your family is going to evolve because now you're going to have this extended family and all of the other family members partaking in your experiences. And that should be very interesting. Yes. It's an exciting yeah. time. Lisa, thank you so much for having me. And also again, for all that you do for donor conceived families and donor conceived individuals. I think again, my mom not having anything like this back in the nineties, I think it's so great that resources like you and everything that you have created ex exist in today's world. So thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. It's a, as you said to me earlier, it's a passion project. It's a passion project for me as well. So we're on the same page. And for all of you out there, um, how can we uh, get in touch with you, Kara? How can people reach out to you? If you are interested in buying Chosen Family, you can literally just type in Chosen Family on Amazon and it will be right there. If you are want a little bit more resources or follow along with me, you can follow me on Instagram, Kiara Ray Shoe, And also my website, kiarareshoe.com. I have some YouTube videos up there as well. Can you spell that? Because it, it's spelled differently than it sounds. It is. Yes. <laughs> it is. So K-I-A-R-A-R-A-E-S-C-H-U-H, Kiara Shoe. And again, all one word on Instagram at Kiara Shoe or Kiara Shoe.com. Great. Well, thank you again, Kiara. And to all of you out there, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate you watching. And please feel free to reach out to me at the Center for Family Building anytime. And please sign up for our newsletter. You'll get lots of great information. Our website has lots of great information. And that way you won't miss an episode. So thanks for coming and I'll see you next time.